Hello, podcast listeners. Thank you for tuning in again. I just wanted to give you guys a quick apology for being kind of delayed in uploading these last few episodes. It's been a bit of a hectic period for us over the holidays and with some personal stuff, but uh, we'll try to be a bit more consistent with our uploading and on time with it as well. Thanks, as always, to our patrons for supporting us and for providing us with most of our great questions during these shows. And thank you to the listeners for tuning in every single week. Like I said, we'll try and be a bit more consistent with these uploads. And so I hope you enjoy this episode, which is 59. Jenkins did this one by himself over the Christmas holidays. And let's get right into the episode. Uh, okay, let's uh, let's begin. Uh, Lemons says, thoughts on Invoker mid lane in this patch. How should he be played with his new eggs uh, slash alt rework? So I basically just think that from well, from what I've seen, um, Invoker is just like a strictly better hero. Um, I don't think you should play it any differently. I, I, I don't think that uh, Quas Exhort is any good uh, for the same reasons it was bad in the last patch. Um, I think that you, you probably just go Quas Wex, run around, kill people. Secure outposts. Um, you could make an argument for some sort of uh, like travels build with Quas Exhort, but I don't know. There's some there's some really good mid laners you can pick to do basically the the exact same thing. Uh, so I don't know. I, I I gotta say I'm not a big Invoker player, um, but I, I I haven't seen people playing it any differently. It just it just seems better. People just have spells up uh, more more often, which is which is really nice for that hero. Um, do you think that now everyone buys wards and sentries? I do. I think you should. I don't see any reason why not. Uh, however, with that being said, I do think that having a distinction for like a five position who is going to be running around, uh, tanking ganks, um, you know, being the kind of sacrificial one, like, I think that's, that's good, right? Like the only... Uh, it's, it's not like warding was the only sacrifice that people were making as a position, position five before. Uh, at the very least, excellent position five players. That was, you know, one out of ten uh, places in the game where they would uh, make sacrifices. And I think that, you know, because they've only removed one of those ten, it's it's obviously not something that, like, that that's very unlikely. That's going to be completely nerfed is playing that kind of sacrificial role. So I do I do think that. Um, with the sentries that generally like a position five still placing those and using uh, their time to like go and, and deward and, and ward and stuff like that is very viable. I think it's still really good. But with that being said, you can definitely like as a core, if you, if you want to deward something and your, your pause five is busy, like especially during laning or if you're uh, playing a position on the map where the pause five like doesn't want to go anywhere near you, then yeah, of course you just, just deward. Like you're, you could be ruining the whole map by having a position five who should be uh, playing somewhere else, like come to you to, to ward. That, that could ruin the entire map. That's just another place where cores can ruin the game and then blame their supports because their supports did the action that ruined the map, even though it was dictated by the by the core. Uh, what's the minimum MMR someone should have before considering going pro? So I, I would basically say like 6K is, the, is like the lower limit. If you're 6K, you can kind of commit to like Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to go pro. Um, if you're 6K, you're you're not gonna be on a good team. Period. Straight up. Like if you're not if if you're 6K and you're not you know one of the OGs like Kuroki or something like that, 
where you're only 6K because, well, I mean, obviously he's not 6K, but like, let's say you were Kuroki or, uh, uh, what's his face, uh, Solo uh, from, from VP, and you just didn't queue pubs. Sure, you know, you can be 6K or whatever, but it's because you're winning tournaments. But if you want to like consider going pro from the, you know, from not already being a professional player, then yeah, like 6K is the 6K is the starting point. Um, 7K is when you can possibly be on a team and be considered good. Like people will people will give you a chance if you're if you're 7K. And I think if you're good enough to be on a team that's like tier one or tier two, uh, 7K shouldn't be a problem for you. If if you want to be on a real tier two team that's going to compete, because otherwise you're playing against all seven Ks and they're going to outskill you. Like most tier two teams are filled with like seven to eight K players now, uh, probably closer to eight K. It's like seven seven point two K to seven. It's it's usually like it's not like just seven K players where you're just over the limit a little bit. It's usually people that are like somewhere in the middle. Uh, let's see. Okay. Uh to get back to the patreon questions december 20th it keeps popping me down go to pro tracker uh apple cider or eggnog i don't be totally honest with you this might piss people some people off but i i, I don't like either uh what if you're high mmr but extremely young that's different like if you're if you're uh you know 16 and you're 7k then um, or, or even if you're like 15, 16, and you're and you're like 6k, and and rising, then it's it's definitely like a very good consideration to to possibly try to go pro. Uh, once again, I still think it's a bottom line, just because you're young and you're 6k. Like, there's plenty of young 6k players. Like, Dota's kind of changing. I don't I don't know if people are just noticing it more now people are using their mics more but i have noticed that it seems like in games there's a lot more girls that are in like six to seven k there are a lot more uh younger people in like six six to seven k uh there's a lot of these like demographics that weren't really represented before and it 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 seems like for whatever reason they are probably not as much as you'd hope especially with like the young with the young people it's like you know Girls are no girls, guys are no guys. Like if we don't get young people playing Dota, it's gonna die. So, uh, young people are are pretty pretty important. But I, I think it, it's it's to the point where there are, you know, it's not just it's not just Sumail. There's there's a there's quite a few there's quite a few young players that I know and female players. So it's not really that it's not really as special as it once was to be like oh, I'm the one young player or I'm the one female player on the server. It's like well okay, there's plenty of female players now. So that's not really that's not really a, a a huge selling point like it like it was before and i'm, and I'm glad about that like I, I think that's that's the way it should be it shouldn't it shouldn't be a, a selling point especially with the female thing it shouldn't be a selling point to be to be female it's like they're obviously just as capable <laughs> so why would it be a selling point uh okay let's uh so yeah i'm not a huge fan of not a huge fan of apple cider eggnog for whatever reason um i would probably say well actually they're both alcoholic aren't they uh, eggnog is more Christmassy. I would go. I would go with eggnog. I, I I think I think any any alcohol that's that's based on, um, that's based on something that's like dairy is is interesting. It's not like it's not your typical just you know dis distilled some distilled like vegetable, and and coming up with like a vodka or some hard liquor. It's 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 interesting. I mean, cider's not bad though. All right. Arboreal Phoenix, 
says, what are some of the strategies to take down the enemy's offlane tier one tower uh, after the 15 minute mark? I found in most of my games, if the tower wasn't taken during the landing stage, it's almost impossible to take if the enemies took your safe lane tier one tower. It's pretty hard. Uh, with their tier one still there, I feel like the they only outpost in that area because they have three to four heroes showing up to defend. I've tried split pushing. Uh, I'm so far away. Enemies show up. I get to push. Uh, any thoughts or suggestions would be appreciated. Uh, basically, this is why people just relentlessly defend these tier one towers in competitive matches. Like people will send five heroes to to defend a tower, and it, in almost any case, because like if you look at all of the possible cases, you have like okay, let's say let's say the enemy team has taken one of your tier, outer tier ones already uh, in in one of the side lanes, and then they're grouping up to push the second one uh so well, what's going to happen here like they take the second one and then all of a sudden they have two outposts for the rest of the game so all they need to do and like you said it's easy is secure that area wait for the outpost to give them enough experience and then just end the game at 40 minutes when they have a five level advantage on all of their heroes easy game right um similarly like if you take the enemy tier one tower uh one of the side lane towers then all you need to do is get the other one and secure the outpost and you're going to win the game uh if you hold both of your towers then you are gaining access to both of the outposts, like basically any, you know, any sort of situation that you can come up with, you're, you're like the, the more, you know, the more opportunity you have to take the tower, the more you should risk to go and just run at it to like possibly win the entire game, you know, based off of that, that like sing, single play. Um, essentially, like no matter what situation situation you're in, there's a huge amount of pressure on you to either defend or take those towers because either you're going to lose the game horribly or you're going to cr completely crush the game. And I think that's why a lot of these games uh, do go for a long time, but they feel like stomps. Um, so yeah, basically, like focus a lot of effort on these on these side lanes and on defending the towers when you actually have them. Like once they're gone, you're fucked. Uh, once you've lost the opportunity to take a tier one tower, you're fucked. So all I can say is uh, the problem isn't getting it after you've lost your tier one. It's getting it before you've lost your tier one or defending your tier one because pros can't even figure out how to how to get it afterwards. Uh, really, the only way to get it afterwards is just get lucky with a turnaround fight and and go secure it. Like enemy team runs into US5 and they really fuck the pooch and you go kill them all. So it's it's hard. It is It is quite hard. Uh, let's see. Okay. Uh, what are some good ways to learn hero matchups, especially for the laning phase? I feel like I struggle knowing who is good against who, aside from the obvious ones, and I've struggled with this uh, over the years. So, yeah, I, I agree with this. I think this is a uh, one of the bigger issues in Dota, is that it's it's really hard to keep up to date on all of these things. There are matchups that used to be favored towards certain heroes, like, you know, for example, let's let's take, like, my last Shadowfiend video. There are so many people in the comments that are saying, like, you're a moron, Jenkins. SF is terrible against Puck. Uh, there are other people that are saying that it's Puck, it's it's SF favored. I feel like it's SF favored. Uh, if you look at, on Dota buff, statistically, it's, well, I mean, it looks, it looks even. But uh, Puck is, or SF is within, like, the top tier heroes 
versus versus Puck. And then also you have this uh, issue with SF where now he has the fear associated with his ultimate ability, right? So this is a really good disable for Puck. I play Puck against SF all the time and you get caught by the end of the fear and it's enough for somebody to get another disable on you. Like, there are all of these elements to it where we all just disagree on the matchup because like I maybe haven't played at this patch. Maybe other people haven't played at this patch. Maybe people are talking about the mid game, the late game, the early game. There's there's too much. There's too much in Dota, man. So uh, basically my advice when it comes to, to matchups is to whenever you don't know whether or not you're supposed to win a matchup, there is something that you can do in every lane to make sure that if it is a bad matchup, you will still get something. And I would say like basically be greedy. If you don't know whether or not you're supposed to win a matchup, be greedy. Like, of course, you can go learn a, a matchup by, uh, you know, running in and and trying to be aggressive on a hero. It's like, okay, they killed me. I can't be aggressive next time I play against this hero. I'm not going to do that. You can learn these things. Feel free uh, to 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 do that, especially if you have a hunch. If you have a hunch, like, okay, maybe I can go kill this hero. Then go, you know, try and see if that's if that works. Totally, totally viable. Uh, but with that being said. If you just really want to win the game and you think that it's not important, like that—that's kind of the bottom line. If if it's not important to shut down a hero, then why the fuck are you trying to pressure them? Just be greedy, you know. Like there's these situations. If you're an offlaner, how to be greedy? You cut the wave, you drag it to neutral camps. Why is that greedy? Nobody can contest you. You're never gonna die doing that because if they go try to kill you, they lose the whole creep wave. But on top of that, you get the entire wave of creeps, last hits, and XP solo as well as neutral camps. Like doubling your farm and you're not getting denied you're not getting pressured you're not pressuring but that's fine uh, that that's how you be greedy in the off lane in the mid lane you push the wave you go jungle you take runes you're not pressuring the enemy will free farm because the lane is under their tower but who cares and in the safe lane you just pull that's how you that's how you be greedy you just chain pull and you're getting you're getting double the experience because you're getting the, ne the neutrals as well once again if you're in a lane where you can kill somebody and you're pulling then it's like yeah you could win the game harder but sometimes winning a lane harder doesn't necessarily mean you're going to win the game because some heroes are going to come back anyway, or it doesn't matter if they're pressured because they're not the enemy team's win condition. If the enemy team has an alchemist and you're worrying about beating the enemy puck mid as an SF, you're doing it wrong. That's not, that's not important. You know, the important thing is that the alchemist is not getting farmed. And, you know, maybe you could spin it where it's like you need to, uh, shut down the the SF or the puck or whatever it is because that will give you access to shutting down the alchemist. But I mean, sure, it's an argument, but I don't think it's a very good one. I th I think so. Sometimes it just doesn't matter if you win or lose a lane, or sorry, if you win the lane, but it does matter if you lose the lane. And you should just try to be greedy if you don't know the matchup. That would be that would be my my advice uh, in in terms of that. I think any other advice to try to tell you how to learn matchups is not going to be is not going to be uh, hugely helpful because it depends on your your learning process. There's a lot of DCs in this game happening. Where should people go to to have their 6K MMR talent found? In-house leagues, browse Dota 2 competitive Reddit. No, let me tell you. Uh, honestly, there's it's like a dream. It would be great if there was some sort of place, some Reddit or some in-house league or some Discord server, but there isn't anything. Like anytime uh, you you have, uh, I just try to get a tea bag out of my tea here, and I it's it's sunk. That is very unfortunate. 
I'm gonna need to get a fork for this. Uh, anyway, so yeah, I wish there was something that I could tell you, but there there isn't anything. It's basically just climb climb the ladder until you get to get to know people who are like six to seven k. Uh, play a lot with them. Probably the best place is competing in open qualifiers for like the minor major tournaments, and just te testing your testing your luck in that. And that's how you can that's how you can kind of you know showcase yourself. Maybe somebody will play on a, a 7K team and they'll just destroy your team against you, but they'll see that you had a good game and they'll be like, okay, this guy's this guy's pretty good. Other than that, it's just pubs. That's that's it. Okay, let's see. Uh, Shiver has a couple more questions, actually. You mentioned watching pro replays to learn, which makes sense. How do you find ones that you want to watch? Dota 2 Pro Tracker. Yes, that's, that's, where, that's where I find it. Um, Mostly Dota 2 Pro Tracker. Sometimes I watch live games, like I'm watching live games right now. Uh, do you watch live games in the actual game, or just look at Pro Tracker for a specific person or hero? So uh, I, I look at a number of things. I'll definitely browse Reddit a bit because Reddit is pretty good at finding the kind of bullshit mechanics, like the SF Abyssal Blade into into Ultimate. Like they'll find the bug, the things that are kind of very close to being bugs that shouldn't be in the game. And a lot of the time, pro players will eventually base play styles off of those really, off of like a gimmick. And so that's how I'll figure out like what hero I want to look up on Dota 2 Pro Tracker is I'll kind of, um, well, I'll play pubs, I will look at Reddit, I will look at streams, I'll just kind of get a general feel for what heroes I want to look up. But then I'll look them up specifically on Dota 2 Pro Tracker. I'll try to find somebody that I personally enjoy watching, that I respect, like, Ramses for me is somebody who I I initially watched Ramses out of curiosity to see how he would switch to be an off, to be an offlaner. I thought he was going to be shit, but I immediately saw him do some really cool stuff. So I started I started really enjoying watching him. Uh, Universe almost always does does really good stuff. Ice Ice Ice. Uh, I really like watching Ice 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 when it's some hero that has a, a lot of uh, kill potential and aggressive potential because he's just one of the most aggressive offlaners. Period. So. If you want to look to to play an offlaner to its like absolute, its absolute limits, that's like what Ice 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 is gonna do. So, um, anyway, that doesn't really matter. Like, you click any pro, you're gonna learn a lot. I think. Did Ramsey's improved for playing offlaner? I don't know. He he seemed pretty good at it. I mean, of course he's of course he's improved. And I'm sure he's learned he's learned a lot, and he's, uh, you know, played with EG. They've given him feedback. He's been watching his own games and probably studying other people's replays and everything. So I'm sure he's gotten better. But when I first when I first saw Ramsey's playing the offlane, there are some some people like sometimes they'll play a role like they'll play carry and then they'll be good at offlane because they see what offlaners are doing against them. Like they know what's annoying because they're a carry player. You know they know what's in, and, and that can be a good way to play the offlane. It's just to think about it that way. Sometimes people suck. There's so many people that are like, oh, yeah, I can play every role. I can I can play five. I totally understand. Like It's so annoying. My fives don't do this. And they play it for a week, and it feels good for the first two games. And then their win rate plummets, and it starts to feel like shit, and they realize that they're not actually good at that role. Um, I mean, so I guess some people don't have that realization, but uh, eventually it will happen because you lose you lose enough. Or you're just good at it, which either way, I mean, it's fine. There's, there's going to be a role that, that anybody can play. You just need to figure out what the hell it is. Hey, bless you, uh, 
Mar Mauricio. Mauricio, is that it? Is that how you pronounce it? Well, let me know. I'm curious. Uh, what specific pros do you suggest watching to learn for three, four, five? Oh, okay, cool. Uh, you actually asked that question specifically. Well, I'll give you the offlaners. For four, uh, crit is is really good. Uh, for five, like no tail, uh, fly. I'm trying to think. Uh, position four. Uh, Schofield. Schofield plays a really good position for. Uh, you just go to go to Dota 2 Pro Tracker and go through the list. You'll find you'll find somebody that you like. Just like watch one game. If you kind of find that they're doing stuff that you probably wouldn't do, then maybe watch somebody else. I would say find somebody that seems to have your play style. I think I think one of the I was watching a podcast last night with uh, Kevin O'Leary and uh, Mike Rowe. That's the guy from Dirty Jobs. If you guys have the Discovery Channel. I think that's I think that's in like uh, 200 countries or something. He said so. You guys probably know Dirty Jobs. Um, anyway, uh, he was saying that where, where was I? Fuck, what was I saying? Oh God, I lost it. I lost. Oh right, okay, I remember. So he was saying that they were both saying that you shouldn't try to change your personality to to achieve something else. Like somebody was asking, like, okay, I'm not cutthroat and ruthless, and does can I be can I be in business without being that way? Because you know, I've heard Jeff Bezos is is like this, et cetera, et cetera. And they were saying, like, no, you can't you can't change your personality. It's not it's as much as you want to, it's not going to happen. You need to have some like massive paradigm shift level of of shit happen in your life for your personality to actually change. So, um, and bringing that back to Dota, I think it's it's really important to try to find heroes and try to find things that you really enjoy doing and that you're naturally good at and and you know within that limit obviously get get better at that and try to push that to its limits but don't try to play like somebody else don't try to be somebody else because it's it's not going to work it's it's not it's not realistic you're basically having to to you know relearn a bunch of shit that you were perfectly uh uh, capable of learning in, in in childhood when you know that's like that's like literally what children do is they is they learn insanely quickly anyway oh that's good d that's good orange paco it's fucking decaffeinated those bastards didn't have any other regular uh regular tea motherfuckers anyway uh poopy pants boy says hey boo i'm guardian 2 and last season i was guardian 6 I lost all of my calibration games to the latest season and calibrated a Herald 4. That's rough. Um, one thing I do want to say here before getting to the next part is that you might uh, – your MMR might actually be higher and, and you might be Guardian too. I, I recall that near the end of the last season, they wanted to give people this, for some reason, like sense of progression uh, by just boosting the medals where you get lower MMR and get a higher medal. So that they're not doing that this season. It's just it's just straight up, it's just straight up going to stay the same. Whatever the MMR value is right now for Guardian, it's going to be that. So yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't worry about it too much. But anyway, uh, the climb to Guardian two was brutal since most of those games were solo queue. I've been playing for almost eight months, and my first couple of hundred games are pretty terrible as I had never played any mobile before Dota. I'm now quite frequently playing with my friends. They've been playing since Dota 1, and I'm now and they're in the mid-Archon bracket to high Legend bracket. I play so much better in those games than in my solo queue games. I find it much easier to play with a team that understands not only the fundamentals, but the decision-making that goes on during games. I play mid, and while I usually play well when I'm partied or solo, 
Uh, it's much harder to rely on a safe lane Spectre who has 66 last hits and a 40-minute game to carry us. Should I make a new account or continue to suffer through and grind my way to a higher rank? I can say that uh, I've never, ever in the goddamn seven or eight years, almost eight now years that I've played this game, and maybe the last two or three years being like a professional player slash coach slash content creator. So I've had a lot of people come to me with this question of should I create an account, a new account? And it has never, ever worked. Not a single time has it worked. Everybody always calibrates to the exact same MMR. And I don't know if that's because the problems that are causing you to be at that rank are more fundamental than just being in solo queue or if it's attitude issues or you just do the solo queue bullshit anyway on the new account eventually because you play for long enough that you get bored and you're like, I want to go solo queue. So I would say no. I've never seen anybody have any success with starting a new account. Instead, I think you should change your perspective. You should change your perspective to be okay with being your rating because it's just a number. It doesn't matter. If you're if you're an immortal player, if you're 7K and you're playing on this account, the Poopy Pants account, you're still 7K. After a, after a certain amount of time, unless you lose your 7K skill, you will get that account to 7K. So why worry about it? Just own noobs until you're 7K. Just keep playing. It's like it's in a, it's a game, right? We're just all trying to enjoy the game. You should. That's what it's all about in the first place. Like eventually, you're gonna get you're gonna get the rank that you deserve. So don't worry about don't worry about what the actual number is. Worry about whether or not you deserve that number or you deserve a higher number. That's all your focus should be on. Anything else that you can focus on is a farce. It's a waste of time. It doesn't do anything other than like stress you the fuck out. That's that's it. And make you play worse. So yeah, don't don't make a new account. Just keep playing. If you find that the games are easier and they're better, and uh, you're you're playing better, you're feeling better, you know, which is going to result in you having easier games in the future because your psychology is going to be good. Then keep doing it. Just keep keep up what's working. Uh, I deserve to play with noobs because I'm actually terrible and I don't play anymore. Well, that's fine. Uh, can I ask why you quit Dota? I'm I'm curious why why people are are quitting. I mean I understand it. I have theories. That's the thing is I I have theories on why a lot of people are quitting. A lot of people say 7.23, but I feel like it's one of those situations where, and no offense to anybody who has quit, because this might not be you, but I have a feeling that for a lot of people who quit Dota, they say it's 7.23. It's not 7.23. I feel like a lot of people are just bored of the concept of of Dota and probably MOBAs in general. If you if you look on Twitch. My buddy's here for the for the uh, Christmas break, and we were looking through Twitch just to find something to watch. And if you look through Twitch, you can see all of these just you know legendary games that that are like define your childhood, or there was a specific period where they they were the biggest game in the world. They have like a hundred viewers, and they have like nothing, you know. And it's 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 sad, but such is life. Sometimes a game just hits a point where maybe it'll have a, resur a resurgence in the future, but also maybe it's just a concept that people, they want to do something else. I think, I think that's perfectly, perfectly okay. Uh, anyway, let me, let me read where, what you, what you said. Uh, Will Mosley, I'm, I'm asking you why you, why you quit out of, out of curiosity, if you're still around. Uh, by the way, we're done with uh, the Patreon questions, so I'm going to, I'm going to move on and, and chat with, chat with chat. 
What if you, Jenkins, play for three month, 1k game, wouldn't you just lost your reflex or something because you don't need it? Uh, 1k games. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, not, not to a huge degree. I, I think it's one of those things where it would happen, but it would matter a lot less than you think. Um, because the same concepts that are going to win you games in... You'll have to go through a period when you're ranking up where you get into like a higher bracket and you're going to need to fix shit and do and do things better. That that will definitely happen. But it's like this is just a human problem. It's not really a gaming thing. It's it's like a human question of how did like the neural pathways work? They're they're still there. You know, nothing's gonna nothing's gonna go over them. You can you can pick up a bike and and ride a bike after years of of not riding a bike. This is just this is just the way it is. And you know Tony Hawk can hop on a skateboard, and yeah, he's way shittier, but he's still much better than the than the average person. He's still significantly better. And you know, like I said, obviously there are, there are going to be there there will be diminishing returns. Like you will you will be be worse, but not to not to a large degree. Like I'm not going to play in 1K games and all of a sudden become a 3K player. That is that is putting way too much emphasis on those like extremely high level mechanics. That's not what that's not what wins Dota. If if it, if this was like a purely mechanical skill based game, that might be true. Like Tony Hawk couldn't go and compete in some skateboarding competition, probably. But we're talking compared to like three one K players. That's like the kind of average. Uh, you love watching seven point two three. I have a question. I have a question for for chat. Uh, my buddy who's here for the winner made this suggestion. I thought this was a really good idea. He said that uh, I should make a video on. Like what the fuck is happening in Dota basically for players who are returning? Like how how the game has changed since the the older patches? Like what's 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 really new in the game? Because I do think that is that is definitely a a, a problem. People come back and they're like, what the fuck are these outposts? Why are why are people suiciding to control these like it's like capture the flag or something? What's my opinion on Zeus support? That's decent. Can you tell us the best numbers for CS for offlane players? I don't ever pay attention to that stuff. I don't know. Maybe that's maybe that's because in 7K it doesn't really matter. Maybe I know I know Speed really likes to talk about that. Um, I personally feel like once again, just being really anecdotal here, but I, I, I personally feel like that's a bit of a mistake to to get people to focus on that in terms of learning. I could be very well wrong about that. I, I'm perfectly willing to accept that. But my personal opinion is that you just f need to focus on doing well, like, we, like doing what is is needed in the game. Because there, there are some lanes where you, your CS should be bad. There are some lanes where you are you know, completely solo versus three heroes, or you're the lane that's countered, or you're a hero that doesn't CS, or let's say you're a puck. Like we're watching this puck replay here. You want puck to have high CS? This hero should be running around and, and ganking. If if there are heroes on the enemy team that need to be dealt with, and a ganker needs to be ganking them, well, this is probably it's probably the reason you picked puck is to run around and gank. So you'd rather see more kills than than CS. I wish there was a way to measure impact in a game. 
That's that's the thing. Because sometimes all you need to do is farm. Sometimes all you need to do is is deny it. Like if you're an alchemist, if you're against an alchemist, for example, um, you <laughs> sweaty Egyptian scrotum. <laughs> oh my god. See, here's the thing: is Donnie's not here, and I'm ex I'm just extremely immature, so I just find this very funny. <laughs> Pakistani body odor. <laughs> oh god, you picked the wrong stream. I'm too immature for this. Uh, anyway, uh, what was I saying? Yeah, CS doesn't matter. CS really doesn't matter that much. You 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 want to focus on just like doing the job that needs to be done in the game, and if that's CSing, then yeah, you you shouldn't have low CS. Just typing something unrelated here to cover up the spam. Uh, speed always focus on CS, even in the offlane position. Hey man, nothing against speed. I think speed's a, a fantastic player, but it's it's not um, it's not something that I like to that I like to focus on for 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 that role in particular. And uh, I, I've, I've most of what I've learned from Dota, I've learned from uh, my buddy my buddy Newsham, because he's just one of the best players like I've ever met. And I also you know learned the game with him. So we, we've talked a lot about this, and I know he's very valiantly against counting CS because he thinks that it's it's a it's a distraction. It distracts people from from the real issues. So people will stagnate at like 3k MMR, and they'll just be like, oh, it's because my CSing sucks, when really the problem is something that's much more fundamental. And sometimes it's so fundamental that it's hard to admit. Sometimes the problem is you're not good at accepting criticism. Sometimes the problem is that you're too stubborn in your ideas. Sometimes the problem is that you're not thinking about the game you're playing you're playing on autopilot and uh, i i definitely agree with newsham i think i think the csing thing and the focus on that is something that takes away from uh real real problems that that are going to cause a, a lot more issues um, not o not only in dota honestly not to be one of those f f super philosophical oh dota is life but i i think i think it is something that can definitely that can definitely be related to issues that are outside of dota you think that learning from videos and guides actually helps or damages your ability to get better? Because I feel like it restrains my ability to think outside the box. It's a good question. That's a really good question. Um, I can say I personally don't watch guides uh, at all on Dota. I, if I do watch them, it's for entertainment. I'm watching somebody like like Bowie, uh, just because like I want to watch Dota. Or uh, yeah, it's, it's it's honestly always it's almost always entertainment. So. But I do watch streams. I do I do watch streams to to see what people are doing and get an idea. Um, but I, I also uh, as a as another note on that, most people that I that I know that have gone and become tier one players have learned from somebody. There's always like somebody that like mentors them, and I think that content and streamers and all of these things can can emulate that to, to some degree look how little damage this puck is doing with this stupid build i fucking hate this build anyway uh yeah there's some there's some uh, mentoring that almost always happens and uh this is such a useless shitty puck build man why do people do this and i think that's uh i think that videos can emulate that so yeah i, I do think they're good i do genuinely think they're good i'm not just saying that because because I have a Dota channel. Honestly, I'm at the point with Dota where I'm like, I don't, I'm not checked out of Dota, but I have internalized and accepted that the game might be dead. 
Um, well, I mean, obviously it's not dead, but it, you know, it might die in the next few years. Valve might tremendously fuck up. Uh, you know, an artifact happened. Basically, it's to the point where it's like if Dota goes, um, I'm, you know, willing to to accept it. I've gone over the the griefing, gr the grieving period, I should say, and griefing period of uh, admitting that something is is dead, possibly. Uh, what was the question even again? I don't remember why I was even talking about that. What puck build would you recommend? Oh, I remember. We were talking about watching watching uh, other other content creators. I don't know how I got to Dota being dead. This is this is why Donnie needs to be here. I should go on these fucking massive tangents. You wasted twenty dollars on artifact. Yeah, that's what I mean about Dota potentially dying. Is that is that I think that I think that it's it's fully within the realm of possibility for maybe people are just bored. Maybe Valve fucks up. Who knows? If it happens, it happens. We'll all go find another game that we'll enjoy. I'm sure. And then we might come back to Dota eventually. That's just that's just like the life cycle of, of games or anything. Do you think that queuing just one role as much as possible to improve faster in that given role? Anecdotally, it's helped me gain hecka MMR. Yes, I do think that is the best way. Once again, also an anecdotally, I have uh, seen a lot of people gain a lot of MMR doing that. So it, it does work. It does work. And I think there's a lot of good reasons for that. I think that it, it lets you focus in a game that's otherwise very convoluted. It lets you really hone in instead of just kind of learning the base level for everything. You can do the really, really good nuanced shit, and that's what wins you games. And you're never going to get to that level of nuance in Dota 2 without uh, focusing. At least on a role or heroes or whatever. Could you go into death why Pango is so low on your tier list videos and when to not pick tank, uh, Pango? Uh, his, laning, his laning really sucks. That's, that's one problem. He, he's... He's like he's one of these heroes that is uh, almost entirely skill based. He's like the new kind of Pudge, if Pudge was was still like a skill based hero. But really not Pudge is just this big fat so who runs into fights and is tanky. But Pango is like super skill based. So as you can see with this guy, he's doing insane shit. Um, so I think Pango's good. I do think Pango's good. I probably I probably underrate it. There's a lot of there's a lot of heroes. I know I know I'm not supposed to say this as a, as a content creator. It's probably better to. I remember Grant. Grant uh, said that one of the biggest changes in his, in the way that he casted, uh, was that he would just say shit. He wouldn't care if he was right or wrong. He would just say shit, and that's what Kyle does because it, it creates more of of it's, it's more entertaining. But uh, for me, it's it's like I mean, I, I I just I'd rather just say say the truth. I don't uh, I don't think that my tier lists are are something you should follow without taking it with a grain of salt like i'm just pango's low on that list basically because like, i don't play a lot of pango so i don't really 100 percent know the strengths of the hero to be com to be completely frank stop making never stop making content even if dota dies i appreciate that i really do appreciate that also hi david hi big d i forgot to i was i was gonna say hello to you after i finished a thought but then i i forgot about it has removal of the bottom shrines change how you prioritize objectives on both sides uh, well, I'm a dumbass, so I haven't changed the way that uh, I've played. But I can tell you, I have I have felt it now. It does it does really feel like if you are in the radiant jungle as dire, you could just never leave, and there's no threat that will ever have to make you leave that area. And it's way easier to like defend defend your own jungle. Uh, but with that being said, like dire like dire is fully capable of taking that jungle, and radiant is fully capable of taking that jungle. And taking either jungle has about the same value, especially because the outposts are so important that you want to take the side lanes anyway. 
so it's it's not it's not like it's balanced towards one side of the map. I mean, I'm sure it is, but not to like a not to a huge degree. At least it doesn't feel like it is. It just feels like whoever has control of that area. I guess that's the answer to the, to the question. It makes it easier to secure to secure control of that area because there's no way for for either team to um, to get there. Well, you can go to like where they're like if you're if you're radiant, you can go to the dire triangle and secure that area because there's no shrine there. And for for dire, it's like the radiant the radiant jungle, you know. So that's just like a consideration you have to make when moving around the map. It's like is there a shrine there? Predictions for TI winner if it happened right now. Uh, fucking OG dude. VG is not paying emphasis on capturing both 10 minutes outposts. Is is denying that 10 XP at 10 minutes not important? I have been thinking maybe with how they've changed it to just like they've nerfed it so many times that maybe the outposts aren't as valuable as people think. It's like it seems like they're more balancing the outposts to be just as important as the towers. That's at least how I like I felt at the start of the patch. Like the outposts were significantly more important than defending or taking the mid tower. But now I think if you're trading like both outposts for the enemy mid tower, that might be fine. But they still have this about the same value as the towers, if you know what I mean, depending on the game. And I think that's a way more balanced state for Dota to be in. Hey Jenkins, would you watch a game of mine now? Like right now? Well, not right now. Um... No. <laughs> I guess that's my answer. Uh, I have to go after this. I'm sorry. Uh, EG would win easy. Maybe. Preferred build on Lone Druid. That's a hard one. Probably, I, I really like the Mask of Madness and the uh, Basher. I think I think that bear with the Basher is like impossible to, to deal with. I think it's really annoying. I think going like AC Mjolnir, that sort of thing. SFOD mid counters. Uh, both of those heroes are pretty generic. Like I think with SF, like any hero that can kill him is pretty good. Heroes with like really high base damage and lane pressure. Like Tiny is a really good hero against SF. Uh, TA, obviously. Heroes that can like just tank raises. Pudge is actually a decent counter because Pudge will like never die to an SF. People have said that one goes 50-50, but you can kill SF. He's like a solo kill SF kind of kind of hero. Some like Zeus is is okay because if you if you get a, if you get somebody to gank for you, then you can kill the SF. But Zeus alone can't kill an SF, which is the only problem. Like heroes that can just solo kill SF are really nice. Some sort of like Storm. Storm's really nice. Ruby just poofed. Quap counters both. Yeah, Quap is Quap is good against both because she can just pressure both of them out of the lane, and they both have to kind of sit in the lane for for quite some time before they can go jungle. Is Drow still top tier? Yes. Best PL counter for position one. I was trying to think about that the other day. I don't think there is a great PL counter. It's like tiny. That's about it. All right. Uh, I think, let's see how long I've been going for. Um, I think I'm going to call it there. It's been quite some time. Um, thank you for watching. I appreciate all of you.